You're listening to the Creating a Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Today, I'm privileged to interview Air Force veteran Sean Douglas. He is now a regular TEDx speaker. He is a speaker mentor. He focuses on business development and strategies. He's also an author and podcast host. This dude clearly does it all. Now, you might be saying, all right, Alex, it sounds like he's not very focused because he's doing so many different things. The truth is he's actually packaged these things very well within his one company called The Success Corpse. You can visit it at successcorpse.com. I really wanted to have him on the podcast because I heard him speak at a conference recently, and he spoke with so much authority, focus, and positivity, and those are things that I absolutely love. I knew that he'd add a lot of value to our audience, and this is also the last episode of season one. Don't worry, season two starts next week, no delays for you, but I thought it'd be great to have somebody who's very well-rounded, like Sean Douglas, to kind of just bring it all home for us in this first season, so I'm very excited about this episode with him. Let's not wait any longer. Let's jump into my interview now with Sean Douglas. Sean, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, man. It's an honor. Yeah, absolutely. So you're a really accomplished individual. Uh, you've done quite a few, <laughs> quite a few different things here, and uh, I got the opportunity to hear you speak uh, just a few months ago at a conference, and uh, phenomenal ability to speak. And I also saw you've done some TED talks and things like that as well, which is really interesting. When did you get started with all this? That had been in 2009. I was a drill instructor, and I fell in love with teaching, training, coaching, mentoring. That's just what I want to do. Yeah, I hear you. So that so basically 2009 is when you got started and what did you kind of how did you even start that how did you get into that So it just so happened that the job that I was in in the Air Force they were basically shutting down I was an enabler So what that means is that I deploy at a moment's notice within 48 hours I'm oh, wow. gone Oh okay And I worked aircraft battle damage repair for the combat logistic support squadron and so what we did was we went and recovered shot down aircraft. We went and recovered aircraft that, you know, just had battle damage. You know, I remember going into the desert and recovering an airplane that had run into another airplane because its brakes failed. Oh, my gosh. So in the middle of the desert, live ammunition, one plane ran into another plane. <laughs> like, we'd go get the planes and you would either fix them on the spot if we could or we'd pack them up, like take them completely apart pack them up into a box, and ship it back to our facility. That's kind of what we did. Sounds like a pretty intense job. It is amazing. <laughs> no amazing. kidding. So, so 2009 comes around. You get out of that. Yeah. That seems like not the most um, organic transition necessarily. Right. right. So, yeah. They, so they decided, because I've been there since 06. Oh, so wow, they okay. decided, well, we're going to go ahead and chop the military out, and it'll be cheaper for us to use the civilians. It's like, mm. oh, great. They said, but we're going to keep like 30-something military out of the 160 that we have. Right. So they said, hey, man, you guys need to get a job. Figure it out. I was like, well, I'll go be a drill instructor. They're like, sounds good. So they wrote a recommendation. They put in all the paperwork, and then I got it. And I'm like, oh, God. So <laughs> I remember my basic training instructor. That was some scary crap. Yeah, I bet. So here I go. You know, I go into you know basic training again. And, dude, it was awesome. Like on the other side of the hat, like it was amazing. I got to coach, teach, mentor, train, yell, scream, be a human. It was like 
I had bipolar <laughs> like 24 seven, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, one minute I'm yelling because some kid doesn't have his buttons buttoned. And then another minute I'm talking to a kid. I'm like, I know that your grandfather just passed away. It's okay. <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah, two extremes. It, was just, it was amazing. So I learned a lot about being a human, really. Okay. I learned a lot about people in general, the way they tick, the way they act. You know, when you're locked in a room for eight weeks with the same people, you know, you start to pick up on things. And so I just translated that into, uh, you know, everything after that, you know, every business I've built, I just, what are their habits? You know? So I learned to watch people dissect the mannerisms and the decisions that they make. And then I could better coach and train and mentor. Yeah. And you know what? Actually, you mentioned decisions. You actually have a book called Decisions. It's the power to overcome self-defeating behaviors, I believe yes. what it's called, right? Yeah. Is that something you wrote because of your experience as a drill instructor? What made you decide to write that? This is a crazy story, man. And I, I still, I mean, if I wasn't a believer, then I mean, I tell it people are like, what? So back in February of 2016 or January, February 2016, I woke up like someone was standing on my chest, literally couldn't breathe. And I had all these moments when I was a kid being abused and when I was in school being bullied. And I had like all these moments flooding my brain. So I grabbed a pen. I just started writing them down. I journal, you know? So I write them down. I'm like, man, this is crazy. So I'm trying to breathe, trying to breathe. My wife's like rubbing my chest, rubbing my back. And I'm like trying to breathe. And finally, minutes later, I calm down. I'm like, what? the hell was that? And it's just like, I don't know. Okay, cool. Got it. Go back to sleep. I'm like, this is nuts. Then a week later, same thing happens. Huh. Now I'm thinking about deployments. Now I'm thinking about all this other stuff that happened to me. Now I'm thinking about suicide attempts. Now I'm thinking like all this stuff, all these emotions, everything is flooding my brain. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to breathe. I'm like, what is happening? Like my life is flashing before my eyes. I'm writing things down, writing things down trying to breathe. I'm like, this is nuts. So I go to the doctor. I'm like, what is happening to me? And they're like, it look like anything's happening at all. <laughs> I love that response. Thanks. <laughs> right. Especially military. Doctors. You're like, I you're think like, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, nah, you're fine. You're like, right. okay, great. <laughs> so a couple of days later, you know, the two weeks of dealing with this, I look at the list and I literally written out moments that have stuck with me, like my life story. Oh, wow. And I was like, huh. And then I looked and it was almost like, they're like written in chapters. So I started organizing the thoughts and literally there was a book there. So then I started writing the book and it was all of the moments that I had a self-defeating behavior that held me back from success. Wow. And that's what the book's about. That's, that's amazing that you, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to call it like a near death experience, but uh, Dude. a situation where you can't breathe definitely feels that way. And your reaction is to write a book. I feel like it was God's way of, I don't believe in coincidences. Yeah, Everything is supposed to happen this way. We're supposed yeah. to be at this moment at this time, you know? Right. So I just, I don't know, man. I guess it was God's way of, here you go. You know, it's the same it's, yeah. way I started my radio show. That was your wake-up call is what it was. It was wake up, start yeah. doing something, right? Yeah. So, you know, again, the power to overcome self-defeating behaviors. I think that a lot of us as people that are creating brands for ourselves, we have some self-defeating behaviors, even what we're doing, whether it be our upbringing or all the failures we've had along the way, myself included in this, I've failed more times than I've succeeded in my life. 
And I think a lot of us, because of this, we develop some really bad behaviors or responses to things that happen to us along the way. And I'm sure that you've seen the same thing. What is, you know, I'm not trying to tell you to give up your whole book, but like, what is like a first step for us to start overcoming some of these behaviors, if you will, or, or just bad habits that we have in our lives? Man, that's a loaded question. It is a loaded question. <laughs> wow. I usually save that for the end, but uh, well, wow. just, you know, something that you can give us some wisdom to help us along the way. I mean, between science and your parents <laughs> yeah, yeah. and, you know, books and like, man, there's so much that can be said about the topic. But what I will say about self-defeating behaviors is everybody has them. Everybody. And yeah, everybody holds themselves back in one way or another. Like you hold you back, whether you believe in yourself, whether you have that moment of fluctuation where you're like, I'm confident. Like, oh God, oh God, nope, I'm not doing that. Like that's scary, <laughs> right. right? And then you're like, you know, I got it. Screw it. Screw it. I got it. You know, the one thing that I will say in order to overcome the self-defeating behaviors and what I write inside the book at the end is that pain is never wasted. There's always a purpose. And so you have to become a master of meaning instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Right. So saying, why is this happening to me? Say, I'm glad this is happening to me. How can I use it? Yeah, that's good. I mean, when you couldn't breathe, that's what you're doing. Yeah. You just reframe your mind. Yeah. So when you become a master of meaning, you are the only one, you, you are the only one that holds the power to assign meaning to every situation that happens. Yeah. No, I love that. That's great. You hold you back. And that is so true. I think often many of us, we get into a place where we are starting to even see success and then we kind of put the block up we're like okay hold on hold on i can't move that quick because we're scared of it right we're afraid of it and we're not sure what to do like we kind of get stuck and we're afraid just to move any further along i think that's a big thing that many of us struggle with i know quite a few people that have done very good job creating their brands and they kind of hit a point where success is like right there but they won't take that step because they're nervous because it's unknown at that point like you don't know what's going to happen the failures are bigger, but the success could also be bigger, but we're scared. So we hold ourselves back. I, I love that you actually said that. Yes. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I've met a lot of people that are actually scared of success. Like they're afraid that, man, what if this becomes bigger? Like it's, you know what? It's great to think about how you would spend the $450 million. If you got the lottery ticket, most people are scared to win the lottery ticket. <laughs> right. That's true. Yeah. Now they got to act on it. It was the same thing with the TEDx talk. It's like, it's great to, to talk about how great it would be on stage. It's great to talk about, you know, what that would do for you until you get the call and you're like, ah, crap. Right. <laughs> now you got to perform. <laughs> exactly. So most people that I find, you know, in one way or another are scared of success. Yeah. It'd be great to make a million dollar business. All of a sudden you net a million dollars. You're like, oh my God. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm a real business owner. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, well, because those it's commitments, it's, it's so small to say I'm going to start a business or I'm going to start making more oh, money. Yeah. Like, that's a small thing to say, really. But as soon yep. as it starts, you know, you drive success. Next thing you know, if you have like employees or you have to start thinking about like 401ks, if you really start yep. getting bigger, Help all these things, insurance. some weight starts hitting. Like now it's it's responsibility oh, yeah. on a high level. I mean, I understand why you'd be scared of it, but we have to overcome that fear if we ever want to truly succeed in our lives. Right. And we have to. Oh, 100 percent. Nailed it. 
Yeah. So I want to kind of talk to you. I want to continue this conversation just basically talking about your life. I hope that's all right. It just, yeah. You, you mentioned your, your radio show. I know it's an international radio show. How, yeah. how did, how did that kind of form into this whole direction <laughs> that your life went? Tell me you didn't have another like near death experience and that's what made you do that. Right. Something else. So I am very good at being in tune to what I'm thinking, feeling, and believing. And I have a great knack for taking action on my thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. So in 2016, wrote the book, started writing in February, got it published September 1st. So I start the book tour, speaker thing, you know, selling books everywhere I go. And then somebody, one of my friends was like, man, about to start the podcast. And I'm like, that's cool, man. I thought about it. Haven't really used it as a marketing tool. I'm going to do some research. So November, doing some research, kind of thinking about it. Got some buddies that have podcasts, you know, like, nah, the attention's not really there. Like nobody's talking about podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's grown though. I mean, it's oh, yeah. grown a lot. It definitely has. Yeah. You know, 2016, I think that was the year of the growth for a lot of people. Yeah. Their podcast took off, their book took off, a certain business. Like, it just seems like 2016 was a catalyst year for a lot of people. Great year. And then in January, I was like, I'm doing it. Like, I just woke up one day, I'm doing it. Just woke up. And you could breathe just, and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing going on but, like uh, that. But I was just having conversations, you know, just having conversations with the right people, Yeah, you know, and I was like, is this the next logical step? You know, because I'm still kind of got the books and I'm speaking and this is the next logical step. So as I kind of thought about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go and who I wanted to be and building that brand, I was like, okay, podcasts are going to be big. I know it's going to be big. Now's the time. I have to. Now's the time. So February of 2017, I launched my show. In September of 2017, I spoke at my first podcast conference. Very nice. Congratulations. That's great. It's been uphill ever since. I mean, I've had Bruce Buffer on the show from UFC, Frank Shankowitz from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. He's the co-founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I had Frank Shankowitz on the show. I had Tom Ziegler, who is Zig Ziegler's son, had him on the show. Wow. Yeah, I had some big names that first year, and it, and that launched me into everything you see today. Having those big guys on the show, even when I only had like 40 or 50 episodes, they were like, let's do it. Yeah. That's awesome. That is so cool. And that's all because you, I like that you used the term, you took action is what you did. You decided, oh, yeah. all right, I'm going to do this. I see the potential of it, and you went for it. Were you afraid that it might fail, or was that even a thought in your mind at that oh, point? Oh, no, when you I, I'm not afraid of failure. Uh -uh. I wanted to fail. Okay. Why? Because there's going to be less for you to do? No, no, because the most amount of learning in life is in the failure. Absolutely. Could not. I want to fail. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that everything I touch turns to gold. You ever met these people? Yeah, a few of them. I'm going to, you know what, Alex? I'm going to start a business today. Okay. Tomorrow, guess what? Just made a million dollars in my business. You're like, son of a. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I know a few of those people, but the problem is they don't actually stick with things usually because they right. become so natural to them. They just don't right. feel the need to try. I've only yep. had a handful of them, but I'm always like, man, I'm grinding out over here. And you just like posted something yep. on the right day, the right time, and everyone on her saw it. Like, how'd you do that? Yep. <laughs> yep. And so what I found is they are really unfulfilled. Yes. There's no challenge. And so I don't want to be like that. The most amount 
of learning is inside the failures as long as you're failing forward. Of course, yeah. And it's just – it's incredible how many people I meet, they're either unfulfilled or they have chosen this path of the easy road, whatever, Mm -hmm. and then when failure does happen, they're ill-equipped to handle it. You know who talks a lot about failure is John Maxwell. Oh, yeah. I think that the majority of his books are about failure more than anything else. And he just talked about if you're not failing, you're probably not alive, number one, but it means you're not trying. I think a lot of us are so afraid of failing, especially when it's in the topic of creating a brand. Like you're creating a brand for yourself and you're going so slow because you don't want to make any mistakes. You're just holding yourself back. And and truthfully, the more mistakes you make, you kind of get not numb to it, but like you understand that it's part of it, right? I mean, that's a big deal. Being able to understand that and be okay with it internally because that... Yes, it, it always takes a little bit of a, a blow to your pride, if you will, right? But it's a great thing to be able to do. I have failed more times than I've succeeded. I said that early on in the conversation. It is, it is true. But every failure, as long as you fail forward, has led me closer to where I am today. Oh, 100%. You know who actually said something interesting about this, actually? Did you, by chance, and not a lot of people did, but did you happen to see Jeff Bezos' letter to shareholders that he did in 2018? I heard something about that. He made it public. He put it on like on their blog, and somebody yeah. sent it over to me. He had one section that really it was mostly boring. I'm gonna be real, unless you're a shareholder. Yeah. Shareholder, like right. doesn't really apply to most of us. But in one section, he talked about the failures are going to be bigger, and that's what was the caption on it. So I was like, I'm gonna read this. And yeah. He talked about how they have to expect to make multiple multi-billion-dollar mistakes if they want to continue to grow. He said the stakes are higher, and we have to make bigger mistakes if we want to succeed. And I thought that yep. was like that's bold of him to say to the shareholders. I mean, these are guys that are writing his paycheck. You know, these are the guys that are making it happen. <laughs> right. They own the company. And he's telling them, hey, we're going to make multi, or multiple multi-billion dollar mistakes. That takes a lot <laughs> to be able to admit that, yes, this is how we continue to grow the company by making giant mistakes. That's crazy, oh, yeah. right? I mean, it sounds crazy, oh, yeah. but as soon as I read it, I'm like, he's right on with that. He understands that if he wants to continue to innovate, continue to grow, to make something that's better than anything else in the world, he's got to be willing to make big mistakes along with it. Oh, 100%. That's how you learn. That's yeah. how you grow. 100%. Yeah, and it goes back to the whole thing of failure. Like, if we're scared of failure, if we're scared of just making the mistake, then we're not going to be willing to do that, even at a small level, right? We're scared of the success because we're scared of the failures that come along with it. Oh, yeah. The number of people creating brands is increasing more rapidly than ever before. Whether it's a personal brand, product, or service, more entrepreneurs are getting started today than any other time in history. Although these are exciting times, there is a problem. The problem is that most people don't know where to begin. And as a result, they end up wasting a lot of time and money on products and services that they just don't need. Wouldn't it be great to have a guide to help you save time and money instead of wasting it? Well, there is a solution for you. It's called the Creating a Brand Community. The Creating a Brand Community is your digital mastermind or tribe. It's a network full of entrepreneurs devoted to helping each other succeed. We all help each other by sharing our experiences, recommendations, and discoveries along the way. As we like to say it, our goal is community collaboration focused on helping your brand succeed. The Creating a Brand community operates on our own social media platform. That's right, it's not another Facebook group. Our desktop site and mobile app feature online courses, focus groups, and topical discussion, along with live digital events and in-person events and exclusive content, all focused around the development and success of your brand. If this sounds like something you'd be interested in, please join at creatingabrand.com. It takes less than three minutes to get set up and become part of this community of successful entrepreneurs. When you join, please message me within the community, Alex Sanfilippo. I'd love to have a conversation with you and welcome you to our community. Going back to your your show now, obviously it wasn't a failure, it was a success. You've done very well with it, continue to grow it. Yeah. 
are you still actively doing episodes and everything? Like right now, you're still oh, yeah. making the show. Yeah. Two years well, in, 200 and, uh, man, 220 or 230 episodes. A lot of episodes. So how often yeah, are you man. releasing them? The show is a live online radio show that is repurposed into a podcast. So the show is Tuesday through Friday. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of content. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I got to repurpose it all. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> I, I would love to actually talk about repurposing real quick because you're a guy who does a lot. I mean, sure, we, we all have 24 hours in a day, but you seem to do a lot with your 24 hours, more than most of us do. You're traveling and speaking. I know you do that a lot. You're a mentor. Yep. You've written a book. You're still actively promoting your book, doing things like that. You also have this radio show. You're making time to be on a podcast, a guest on a podcast like mine right yeah. now. So how are you, you're managing your time very well, which would be great to talk about that as well. But you mentioned repurposing content. And I think that's a concept that many people don't understand because some people that are creating brands, they want to, okay, I need a Facebook. I need a Twitter. I need an Instagram. I need my blog. I need a YouTube channel. I need to do some live stuff, a podcast, like all these different things, right? And I noticed a lot of people when they first get started, they're making completely unique content for each of those different platforms. And then what happens is they actually never end up creating their brand because they're so busy just managing the day-to-day -day of producing content. But you mentioned repurposing content, which means you're not spending every waking second making your next tweet, right? Yeah. I only do Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. Okay. So if I post, I'll post the same thing. I love a picture or video or something, you know, I'll post the same thing across the platforms, mm -hmm. you know, which is just a written post, right? So let's take the podcast. So do the podcast and then it goes up into the podcatchers and everything, right? I will download the audio and then repurpose it into an audiogram, a three minute audiogram. That's the cover art in a picture with like a wave file going across the cover art, you know, it's right. an audiogram. So I use headliner. So a 45 minute podcast is repurposed into a three minute audiogram for marketing purposes. Yeah, that's great. Then let's say you have a blog. You can use headliner to make a video or audio from your blog. You just type it all in, upload it, boom, spits out an audio or a video. So you can yeah. repurpose your written into audio or video. My Facebook lives are repurposed into, um, the videos that have the header and footer. Yeah. You, you know, you, like you see Gary V do it. You see a lot of other, you know, influencers do it. It'll be like, watch this video. If you want to earn millions, you know? Right. You're saying and, that too, uh, don't they? Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't say that, but what it does do is give clips. It like, like my keynote speeches are broken down into the best nuggets into these one to two minute videos. Yeah, that's smart. So my one 45 minute keynote will probably have four or five videos come from it. Yeah, that's repurposing content right there. That's where it's at. 100%. So you take your podcast, break it down into audiograms, different posts and different things. So you have to keep repurposing over and over and over again. So I repurpose my show into that audiogram 30 days after it was released because maybe people forgot about it. Right. And that's smart. Actually, you know, somebody who I admire a lot, a marketing genius I consider him to be is uh, Neil Patel. And oh, yeah, he he's awesome. About, he really is. I mean, he just gets it absolutely 100% understands marketing to I mean, he might be marketing himself, you know, who knows? He's like the godfather. But uh, 
he talks a lot about resharing your content because yeah, I, I was reading something that he was talking about. He said, what a shame that we spend months preparing for a speech we're going to give and doing the slides and everything. And then we only share it one time on social media. We only share it one time. And he's saying, no, re repurpose it, reshare it, share it in different ways, change the title, share it again and again. He says he shares all of his content for six months at a minimum. And then he'll take a six month break and he'll bring it back again. He keeps on sharing it. And I think that's a great thing. You talked about how like 30 days, maybe someone missed it, which and the way social media works, people definitely missed it. So it's a whole different batch of people that see it when you reshare it later. And that's really cool that you're able to do that. They have to, because yeah. you have people who are audio, visual, and written learners. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and, if you're not producing content for the, those three forms of consumption, then you're failing. Yeah, you're missing an entire audience. Yeah, actually, I learned this on one of these, a blog that I started years ago. It's a multi-author blog. And we only had the blog itself, all written content. When we launched the podcast, we discovered that very few of our listeners were the same people that were reading the blog and vice versa. The people that liked the podcast didn't want to look at the website. And the people that wanted to look at the website didn't really want to listen to the podcast. I was like, that's fascinating. <laughs> and I was like, well, some yeah. people don't like to read. And some people don't want to listen to it. They actually want to read it. So it was, it was interesting that, you know, we had never thought of that before. And the next thing we're going to implement is video. Cause I'm like, all right, well, let's get those visual. People oh next. yeah. So, but it's one of those things that what you're saying is absolutely right. Repurposing your content for different types of people, their different personalities or their schedules, whatever it may be is ideal because yeah, you're definitely missing people if you're not hitting all three of those. Absolutely. Now you also said that you don't have a Twitter and that's something else that I actually really admire because there's a book called Deep Work, which I've talked about on this podcast before. Yep. It's, it's like a book that changed my life. Cal Newport, one of his points in the book was you don't need to have everything. You just need to find what's actually driving you forward and keeping you focused on your yep. goal. So yep. I, I like the fact that you don't have all the social outlets because some people, again, when we're creating our brains, just getting started, especially we're like, oh, we need everything. But the truth is, if it doesn't bring your return, you're just wasting your time. Yep. And so it's cool. So you found that what were the three that you're using again? You're using. So I use Facebook and LinkedIn. I always have. Okay. I mean, I was on LinkedIn day one. LinkedIn is like the big one right now. Like the one that's getting the most exposure I'm, I'm hearing. Which is awesome, but stupid at the same time. Why? <laughs> because I've been on LinkedIn since, good God, was I on LinkedIn back in 2009 or something, 2006. Right, like when it first I was, came out. <laughs> when I first, literally when I first heard about it, I was like, what is it? They're like, Oh, well, I mean, LinkedIn's like, you know, we're business hangs out. And I'm like, oh, oh, yes. <laughs> I, said to you, I'm like, I, I can put my resume pumped. online. I'm all in. Come on. Right, dude, I'm all in because I, like, if I create a service for B2B, that's where they're going to be. Like, that's where the fish are. Yes, exactly. You know? Yeah. If you're going hunting or fishing, you're like, I know there's fish here. This is where we're going. I know there's deer or whatever you're going to hunt, right? Yeah. I know they're here. So that's where I'm going to be. I've been telling everybody LinkedIn for years, years. I wish I could have recorded it years. I'm like, dude, you got to be on LinkedIn. If you're, if you serve B2Bs, you have got to be on LinkedIn because most of my business comes from LinkedIn. It always has. Right. Because I have a B2B service. So I'm on LinkedIn talking to business owners and entrepreneurs, right? Just now are people starting to talk about, hey, LinkedIn, this thing's amazing. And now you hear, hey, make six figures on LinkedIn and make six figures over here and do this. Da, 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 da. Now they got the live video coming out. You're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. You know, that's, so that's great. you're it's like just a, so funny. 
you're an OG I, man on, uh, just, on LinkedIn. I like it. It's hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious because everybody's diverting their attention to LinkedIn. I'm like, that's great. Go to LinkedIn because I know for a fact people get these LinkedIn messages going, I get your podcast on iTunes and millions of views. <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. I've had no those. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you for your broken English. No thanks. <laughs> right. You know, like, I'm good. I'm good. Just give me and your social got, security number and we'll get you started. Then you got the ones that have a bunch of stars all over their profile and a bunch of emojis and everything. You're like, what the heck is this? Uh-oh, you know, I a check mark at the end of my name. I hope you're not talking no, 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 to me. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, like I got one that was like, it was like star, 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 interview me, star, 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 oh, star. Great. Okay. And I, and I get those messages. I should be on your show because this, 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 a delete. I get all these weird messages. It's crazy. So as you're developing, obviously on LinkedIn, you're getting ready. You're probably going to do live video on LinkedIn as well. hundred percent. Do you use any automation to do all these things? Because yes, you're definitely repurposing your content. Do you have any automated tools that are doing this with you or where you're at right now? Are you doing this yourself, subbing it out? What does that actually look like for you? So right I now? used to use Hootsuite. Okay. Yeah. But Facebook crushes your engagement and stifles it if you use a third-party poster. Yep. On anything, that includes Buffer, any of those other third-party apps. Yep. If you're, if you're so, posting to a third-party, it hurts you. Yep, so I don't do that no more. Everything I post and everything I comment on is me. I was up till 3.30 oh, wow. in the morning yesterday going through my Facebook messages because I got messages, and then on my posts, I was liking and commenting on all of my posts. I was up till 3.30 in the morning doing it. Oh, wow. My goodness. But you find a return on investment for that. You're not just sitting there. 100%. You're building a relationship with people. If somebody took the time out to go, like, I just got booked to speak at uh, San Diego Startup Week. I heard that. Congratulations. That's great. Thank you, man. That's a big one. That's like 3,000 people. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, If someone says, man, Alex, you rock, dude. Congratulations on blah, 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 and you don't like it and then comment and give them a thank you back. Screw you, dude. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you have to give the love back to the people that are supporting you because each one of those posts, congratulations, congratulations, thank you, you know, whatever. That's all boosting your post. Right. So more people see it, and then more people comment, and then more people see it, and then more people comment. If you're not liking it, to thank them for taking the time out of their schedule to thank you. Yeah. You deserve to lose. You know, actually someone we had on the podcast was Winnie's son and she's in the finance industry. So it's not like a huge like industry. That's uh, it's necessarily sexy. I'm just going to say it that way. Like a lot of people don't necessarily want to follow you if you're a finance person. It's not interesting. Right. But she has half a million followers and Twitter is what she uses for social media. That's where it's all coming from. But she likes and comments on everything. And she follows everybody yep. back. She's all about building that community. And she says, you have to remember, you have to do it for, just act like that was your one fan. You would respond if you only had one fan or one follower, right? She said, treat them all like that. And I like that you're basically saying the same thing. It's about building that relationship with somebody. They know they're appreciated. Oh, yeah. They're supporting you. Yeah, they are. Absolutely. You know what's funny? Actually, now I'm thinking about it. John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire. He will go through and like every DM he gets on Instagram. I had the opportunity to meet with him and hang out with him at a previous conference. And I asked him, I kind of asked him about, it. I'm like, Hey man, how much time do you spend doing that? He's like, dude, all the time. He's like, all my time <laughs> is spent doing that. He goes, but it's so valuable because these people are actually engaging far more. And you can yep. just look at his business, the way it succeeded just because he's doing that. Engaging with the audience is so important. It's actually more yep. important than just producing more and more new content. 
if you're just doing that, you're not actually showing people that you're real. It, it doesn't matter how much content you produce. Right. Nailed it. That's great, man. So now, you know, this is the creating a brand podcast. And obviously, you've done a fantastic job branding yourself. I, I love your website. I love how everything you're doing is connected. I think yep. it's, it's fantastic how you've done that. I, I would just like to kind of talk a little bit about some advice that you'd have for what you believe creating a brand is. Like, what does that actually mean to you? Sure. So when you create a brand, I have a saying, live your brand. That's good. When you live your brand, you are literally living out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call that living your brand. Living your brand means that whatever the core values, mission, and vision that you've written down for your business, you are living that out. That's good. And when you are authentic, transparent, and genuine, it will show. So there's a personal brand and then there's a business brand and everything hinges on the core values, the mission that you're on and the vision for your company and for you. And so when you create the content, you create the stories around the core values and you create the stories around your mission and vision. That's when followers happen because they either think, feel or believe the same way that you believe and think and feel. So you have to build a brand by telling the story of you, your business, your mission and vision statement. Like, wow, that's a great mission. Oh, I love that. Right. That's what we hear a lot of times. What's your mission? Oh, I'm on a mission to the most famous one is I'm on a mission to inspire a million people. You're like, yeah. Awesome. Are you keeping track? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Is it measurable? That's so, so true. So when you're saying like live your brand, do you believe that you and the brand that you're creating should be connected or disconnected? 100%. Your... You are your business. Right. Whether you're the face of it or you have a CEO or like whatever, like no matter what happened to Steve Jobs, everybody knew him as Apple. No matter what, you got yeah. fired, whatever, right? It's all about positioning. And that's what I'm talking about. When you write the story, when you do your marketing, Anything you're talking about, you and the business, right? You're building a brand that everybody loves. That's your whole focal point. You do this by positioning yourself in the marketplace correctly. And how you do that is you create a problem that only you can solve. You identify a problem in a certain industry. Yeah. You create the problem. You frame the problem. You know, a lot of people, when they do time management, which you had mentioned earlier, when they talk about time management, like, do you want time freedom? Do you want to know that you're not wasting your time? Do you want to be more productive? You're like, I absolutely do. Like, well, I have a solution for you. That's like how like every infomercial starts out. It's how every, yeah. you know, do you have stains on your clothes? Oh no. Right. Right. So, Man, so you literally, you know, right? pretty good at it. <laughs> so that's how we think, right? We run away from problems. So we do, we run away from problems. And so the best people that are marketers are creating problems that only they can solve. If you tell me, like, I got a budgeting app. This budgeting app allows you to stay on point and be disciplined and, you know, whatever. You're like, it's all right. Got my own budgeting app. Thanks. Right. But if you framed the problem and then created a solution that only you have, it would sound something like, do you have a discipline problem or an accountability problem with not spending money or spending too much money? Like, yes. 
Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so hard to stay on budget. Oh, absolutely. Well, my budgeting app does just that. It forces you to stay on budget. It forces you to have accountability. It forces you, you know, and then what you're going to do is you're going to save money and then you'll be able to track where you are failing in staying on budget. It has real time data, you know, whatever. You're like, oh, that's awesome. I need that. Right. right. So instead of saying, hey, I got this budgeting, like everybody's like, hey, I got this. I got, you see it all the time on Facebook. Buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff for a limited time now, for a limited time now. I'm on sale today, you know, one day only. Like it's just, it's just selling and selling and selling and selling. And then there's these guys that walk up and go, you know what? Do you have a problem with this? Yeah, I do too. Here's how I fixed it. And people are like, oh my God. So they've identified the problem. They framed the problem. They've created something that only they can solve. And then they market the problem and not the solution. That's how you build a brand. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually find that the people that take their brands the furthest are the ones that not only are, it's a three-part framework, really. The people that yep. are going the furthest. It's They're showing you the problem. They're offering you the solution, which is them. Uh, of course, they're, sh- they're presenting it as the problem, but saying we have the solution for this. But then the, the brands yep. that take it the furthest, I find they implement this third step, which is showing the outcome. Which yep, means the afterward, yeah, the result of it. So, you know, taking your same budging idea, being like, imagine just in six months from now, you're more disciplined and you're saving more money than ever before. That's showing yep. people the outcome. They're not like, oh, here's the problem, the solution. They're also like, wow, in six months, I could be there. Sell the destination, not the journey. It doesn't matter what the app looks like. It doesn't matter how many coaching calls a month they receive. It doesn't matter what you do with them. It matters what happens when it's all said and done. What are your results? Oh, I get six figures in 48 days. I don't know why it's 48 days, but literally I'm making six figure businesses in 48 days. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I show you how to start a podcast in less than 30 days. I show you how to write a book in less than 30 days. Like that's what we see a lot, right? You want to write a book? We can do it in 30 days. You're like, dang, it's awesome. And you'll be a bestseller. Oh, they don't say, here's what I sell. I sell a writing course that allows you to write a book in a really short amount of time. And we'll have four meetings every single week. You know, it's like, they don't care about that. What's the result? So sell the destination, not the journey. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. And you're talking about now, you are this brand inside of this. So really, this has got to come from a place of passion in your own heart. If you're just starting oh, yeah. a business to make money or because you just see, oh, I could do something here. I could get my time freedom that I want, X, Y, Z. I can be this, this, and this. You're doing it for the wrong reason. Really, the problem should be unique to you as well. Like if you were the one to design that budging app you're talking about, it should be because you have that problem and you came with a solution, you were able to fix it, and then you want to go present that to the world. Because people are going to see right through any fakeness that you have, but they see, no, this person lives this. Like they're a product of, of this solution that they're offering. I think that's, that's when you're really doing well, when you're connecting your personal brand with the professional brand that you're building. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so this was a really fun conversation. I really appreciate your time and just kind of sharing your journey, everything you've been through. It's been really cool. So I appreciate you being on the show. And also on behalf of myself, just personally, thank you so much for your service in the Air Force. I greatly appreciate that. Thank you so much, man. It means a lot. Like I said, this guy, Sean Douglas, he is the real deal. If you want to grow your brand, it must go beyond just the logo and the story. It's going to take a combination of problem solving and conditioning the market to receive what you're offering. I love that. Sean is brilliant. I love also that he's working one-on-one now with entrepreneurs and business leaders. He's helping people just really develop further 
and just helping them gain that energy he has. Because this dude's got some energy, right? Like you listen to him, you're like, man, this guy's psyched. It's really cool that he's training other people to kind of live that same way. It's something that really has spoken to me. And he's also offering that not only on his website, thesuccesscorps.com, but also directly within the Creating a Brand community where he's offering exclusive discounts. So if you're interested in hearing more from Sean, be sure to join. If you're already a member, reach out to him directly through the community. Slide into that guy's DMs. Anyway, this was a great episode. Sean, thank you again for your service to this country and also for being a guest on this podcast. I greatly appreciate both. And this is the conclusion of season one of the Creating a Brand podcast. I encourage you to go back and listen to every episode. These episodes are brilliant. And I'm excited next week to start season two. We've got a whole new lineup of guests. It's going to be really exciting, really fun. But for today, if you're interested in the show notes, go to creatingabrandpodcast.com. Thank you as always for listening. I'll be back with you next week with season two. Season two.